Welcome to episode 11 of the Passionate Purpose Podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories, their way, in their own words. I'm Greg Gerber, the founder of Forward From 50, and your host for today's show. Steve Hurwitz grew up in the Boston area, and shortly after graduating from high school in 1981, he went to work for a data center maintaining room-sized computer systems. That propelled him into an information technology career. He got sick of the New England weather and moved to Phoenix in his mid-twenties, where Steve climbed the corporate ladder to get his own corner office, a big house, and a very nice salary. But deep down, he wasn't happy. Took him 30 years, but Steve eventually broke out of the 9-to-5 rat race simply because he wanted more freedom. For years, he had been a fitness enthusiast. So he opted to unplug from corporate life and go to work as a personal trainer and later as a fitness director. He hadn't been at the job long before realizing that being a fitness director at a gym was little more than a glorified sales manager who enticed people to buy personal training sessions. So he returned to the technology industry, but this time as an instructor. That's when Steve dated a woman who owned a wildlife show. In fact, he was directed to hold a scorpion, tarantula, and snake on their first date. He joined her business, first by designing its website, then by becoming the senior animal wrangler, making presentations at birthday parties, school assemblies, and other events. Things were booming until COVID arrived and put an end to public gatherings, which caused the business to grind to a halt. With everything shut down, it gave Steve a chance to spend more time RVing. Others felt the same way because the industry soon exploded in popularity. But at age 57, Steve saw an opportunity that seemed perfectly aligned with his skills that would also give him full control of his time and income. He moved from Phoenix to Texas, where he took courses to become a certified RV technician and inspector. To tell us more about how this new direction changed his life for the better, please welcome Steve Hurwitz to the show. Thank you for joining me today, Steve. I appreciate your time. Tell me a little bit about who you are and where you're from and what you do. Absolutely, Greg. So uh, I'm originally from Massachusetts. Um, I lived there for the beginning part of my life, born and raised near Boston, Boston boy. Um, And then I decided, uh, you know, I was just sick of the uh, weather. So I ended up moving to Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, I lived in Phoenix, Arizona for 30 years. Um, Now, when I was a a late in my teens, actually my high school year, um, the neighbor who moved in behind my parents' house where I lived actually happened to be a data center director. So this was way back before, you know, this is when the mainframes took up the whole room and, and no one had iPhones or any kind of portable phones at the time, except for those big bricks that you see in the old Back to the Future movie. Well, long story short, um, I got to know him and I was able to do a work study program from high school where I actually worked in the data center. So my first IT job was back when I was 17 years old, back in 1979, I think it was. Um, So it was was very interesting. While my other friends were out there working in uh, auto body shops or, you know, waiting tables or whatnot, you know, I was pulling in the buck (laughs) right right off the bat. So uh, so that's the beginning of the story. Um, Well, fast forward 30 years later, and of course, I had gone up the ranks and uh, I had ended up becoming an IT executive. So corner office, suit and tie, 
uh, all the accoutrements that come with that uh, style and, and level of living, if you will. Um, but it, it was always an interesting part of that uh, <clears throat> that story where, you know, I'd go to work and, and get in my office and, uh, you know, do my IT thing. Um, and and the, the problem was I would go out for lunch and I would, which is for some reason, I would see these guys in their service trucks. Uh, you know, a pool cleaner or a plumber or whatever the case may be. And I'm like, boy, look at the freedom this guy has. I mean, he can go to work, do a job, go take a break, go do you know whatever he wants anytime during the day. He didn't have to hustle, you know, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and sometimes on call at night and do work weekends and the stress behind it. <laughs> so it took me 30 years to figure this out. But I went ahead and actually broke out of the rat race nine to five world because I wanted more freedom. And I wasn't quite sure at the time, how do I get that freedom? Um, you know, the typical quote unquote American dream, you go to work, you provide for your family, you buy a house with a picket fence, you get a dog, you have some kids, um, you know, that's supposed to be life. And for the majority of uh, people here in America, of course, that's, that's the resounding theme. Well, that's what you do. Go to school, you go to college, you get a job. Well, I didn't like that. So <laughs> being the nonconformist, um, I decided to leave all that behind. So I completely left uh, the IT world, um, which wasn't easy because, you know, you're at that level, you're making a, a decent salary, yeah. you've got big houses and lots of cars and things. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of where my story takes the tangent. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. So from there, where do I go? Well, uh I was always a fitness enthusiast, you know, way back when Arnold Schwarzenegger was actually the Mr. Olympia. And, you know, for some reason that fascinated me. So I thought to myself, you know, I want to get into the world of fitness. Uh, interestingly, I went to a job interview where I thought I was just going to get hired as a personal trainer. Now, keep in mind, my only business experience was 30 years as an IT executive managing other people and other you know, systems and so on. So I go in and I meet the, uh, the two owners of a local club in Phoenix and uh, they owned about 11 locations. And <laughs> the funny thing is by the end of the two hours that they were speaking to me, I didn't walk out as a personal trainer. I actually walked out as a fitness director of an entire gym <laughs> with eight personal trainers reporting to me. Wow. And I, you know, before I left, of course I mentioned, you, you do realize I've never even worked in fitness before. Right. And, you know, they just smiled and said, Steve, you got the business background to be successful in any adventure that you do. So if you have a passion for fitness, we want you. <laughs> okay. And how many so goes, there, how uh, many years ago was that? What's that? When was that? Oh boy. That was, uh, gosh, I think it was uh, mid forties. I'm going to say. Okay. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, you figure it was 17, yeah, probably about 47 or so. Okay. Um, having been in IT for about 30 years, um, somewhere in there. So, so here I go and I, I become a fitness director, which you find out quickly is actually a sales manager for <laughs> people to sell personal training. Um, but you know, it, what happened was I, you know, I got to a point in that particular gym where I, I said, you know, I need more and I need to figure out how to get more. So I went and visited uh, lifetime fitness. And if, if you've ever visited a Lifetime Fitness, oh my gosh, it is the Disneyland uh, fitness centers. I mean, within those walls is, I think, 21 different businesses. Wow. Um, 
everywhere from a, they have a spa, they have a, a cafeteria, they have uh, you know tennis and indoor outdoor pools. And for a personal trainer, there's literally every piece of equipment you could ever want. So I said to myself, well, actually, I said to the uh, the person taking on me uh, taking me on the tour, I said, all right, so how do I get to work here? And he literally gave me the list of things. Well, you need to get this certification, and you need to do this and that, and so on. So I went and did that. Uh, I took the initiative. I had the ambition. I got the certifications I needed. I ended up uh, uh, interviewing and, you know, passing with flying colors. So I became a fitness trainer at that location. Um, worked there for a while. And what happens in that world is you you work in there, and then you realize that the company's taking half the money, and you get half the money. And you're like, well, you know, a lot of my peers had gone off on their own and uh, built their own personal training studios and so on and so forth. So I decided to go down that path. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, long story short, <clears throat> even training uh, customers, and I trained over a thousand people in my, in my uh, tenure as a, as a personal trainer, which I did for seven years, but I wanted to reach out to more people. So I had this brilliant idea that I was going to become the next Tony Horton, who's the <laughs> developer and, and producer of P90X and pretty much everybody on the planet's heard of P90X, if you've ever watched any infomercial or been up late at night, well, uh, the system works. And I thought, you know, I bet I could do one better. <laughs> but uh, what you'll find out after a while is, uh, boy, you just you need to have the contacts in Los Angeles. It's a, it's kind of a Hollywood uh, rubbing elbows thing. Uh, it's all about marketing. It has nothing to do with personal training. Um, so I gave it seven years. After seven years, I'm like, yeah, this it's just isn't going where I wanted it to go. I didn't just want to be a personal trainer. I didn't just want to own my own personal training studio. You know, I wanted to change the world. But uh, what happened was uh, after seven years, you know, I, I, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. So I, I actually went back into IT as a, a technology instructor um, for a few years. During that time, I uh, met my uh, girlfriend at the time, and she actually uh, developed and owned a wildlife show. So my initiation on our first date was here. You need to hold this scorpion <laughs> and okay, you did that. Now you need to hold this tarantula and now you need to put a snake around your neck. And I, and I passed with flying colors in that interview apparently because uh, we were together four years. So uh, during that time uh, I ended up becoming her uh, web designer, her marketing director, and uh, actually was doing these wildlife shows myself. Um, I became a senior wrangler and uh, presented all these animals to uh, either children at birthday parties or we did HOA events or we were up on stage doing large Fear Factors events, which was filmed and had stage lights. And it was pretty, pretty exciting, I got to tell you. So um, that lasted uh, quite some time. And then, of course, what happened? Well, you know, I'd left IT during that time, by the way. So three years into IT, I'd left that completely because I, I was sustaining myself quite, quite, you know, quite successfully uh, with her business. And mm -hmm. you know, we owned a house together and that's where we kept the animals and so on. Well, what happened was COVID happened. So we went from literally from a 99% capacity. I mean, we were doing two, three birthday parties every single day of the weekend. During the week, it was school assemblies and so on. All that stuff shut down. We went down to about one or 2% capacity. So we're kind of looking at each other like, what are we going to do? Um, so, you know, throughout the year, um, we decided that uh, being together wasn't working quite well. I mean, we're still best friends. Don't get me wrong. 
But, um, you know, the business kind of failed. So I need to find some way to make some income. And given that we had an RV at the time, again, we bought this RV back in, uh, bought our first RV in 2019. I just, I loved it. I loved the glamping. You know, you have a, an RV that has a bed and a bathroom and a kitchen and dining area and televisions. And, you know, that was great. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. previous to that, uh, it was a tent in the ground and there's bugs and dirt. And <laughs> so I was like, wow, this camping thing is, is huge. Well, of course, the year 2020 brought the RV industry uh, to astronomical heights. Um, so I saw an opportunity there. And the opportunity I thought was, well, you know, I'm great with my hands, very mechanical. Um, again, getting way back to back in the day when I used to see these guys in service trucks, you know, you see these guys who own their own small businesses. I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that's a cool thing to do. I could be my own boss. Um, I was always uh, uh, admired my ex-girlfriend just tremendously that she had built this business mm-hmm. by herself uh, almost 20 years ago. And she was extremely successful at it. I said, you know, instead of working for her, I bet I could do this myself. I bet I could build a business and be successful. And I mean, at this point in my life, you're talking, you know, I'm, I'm 58 years old now. And I just did this last year in, mm-hmm. in 2020. So I was 57 years old when I decided to go down this path. And, uh, you know, I still feel like I'm 40 and, you know, thank God for good genetics. I feel like uh, I look like I'm 40. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. Anyways, I got the energy and the, and the passion to, to do this stuff. So what I did was I said, you know, I'm going to go full-time RVing. Let's sell the house. We'll cash in. Uh, we were very benefit, you know, uh, fortunate to uh, be in the Phoenix market. So it sold quickly. And, uh, you know, we, we uh, got some decent funds out of that, if you will. Uh, so I went ahead and purchased the RV that uh, I currently live in today. So I am a full-time RVer and have been uh, throughout this entire year, starting back in January when the house sold. Um, so I live here solo with my dog. Um, I said, all right, well, now I need to understand and learn how and what I'm going to do in the RV industry. So I said, you know what, I'm going to become an RV technician and an RV inspector. There's so many RVs in the road and there's such a huge need. I did quite my, uh, you know, a bit of research, uh, did the, the footwork on this, uh, looked up the markets and so on. And I, I saw, I saw this as an absolute no brainer. Mm-hmm. that I could get into this industry and I wouldn't even have to try. I mean, you'd almost have to try to fail in this industry. And obviously, you know, last year was huge for RVs. This year has been even more astronomical. These brands and vendors are putting up numbers of, you know, 42% increase in sales from last year. Uh, so the industry itself is exploding, which cre- has created quite a bit of opportunity. Uh, just the year alone, I read statistics that said, uh, they're producing 575,000 new RVs this year. That's the 2021 models. Next year, they predict 600,000. So within two years, that's close to 1.2 million. That's not including all the millions of them that are still out there now on the road, right. you know, from all the previous years. I mean, there's RVs out there 10, 20, 30 years old. Uh, so I went to, uh, to look for a school. Um, I found a school up in Athens, Texas, um, the reason I chose that school was uh, multifaceted. There were uh, great instructors, great reviews, good coursework. Um, I took the at-home course to see if I really get a feel for this. So I uh, studied at home and learned some of the basics. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So I went ahead and took my dog and took my RV. And uh, we made the venture back in March of 2021 this year, um, all the way to Athens, Georgia from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm sorry, Athens, Texas 
from Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, again, one of the other reasons I chose this particular school was that they have an on-site RV park. So you can live on the site on the in their RV park and then literally walk to their giant schoolhouse uh, and to take your classes. I'm thinking, well, given that I'm solo and I have a dog, that works out great for me. Uh, the other schools I looked at uh, were nothing like that. You'd have to drive to the school from the closest RV park. So, so that made a lot of sense to me, too. And, of course, the drive was uh, not horrible. It was about three days, and I made it to uh, Athens, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward. So, so the name of the school, by the way, is the NRVTA, the National RV Training Academy. Uh, and uh, they have credentials. You, you can either become a uh, registered technician or a certified technician. Uh, they also have the school specifically for instructors, or I'm sorry, for uh, inspectors. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I said, well, you know, I'd like to do that as well. That'd be fascinating. Let's, uh, let's go out there and inspect RVs as a pre-purchase kind of uh, situation. So a, a buyer, a client will call me and say, hey, I'm looking at this, uh, you know, 2015 Newell Motor Coach. Um, you know, it's quite an expensive investment. Uh, can you inspect it for me? Make sure I'm not buying a money pit. I'm like, absolutely. That's what I do. So I went ahead and took literally every class that that school had to offer. And I became at the end a certified RV technician and a certified RV inspector. Um, okay. So then what do you do? Well, now that I have these credentials, I need to go out and work and make some money. <laughs> so uh, I didn't want to stay in Athens. Uh, in fact, that's another reason why I took every course that they offered, uh, because I really wanted to live my entire life by the ocean. It's been a lifelong dream. Even when I was making IT money, uh, mm-hmm. I couldn't see a way to do that. You know, to live on the coast, on the West Coast in California, or even on the East Coast or in Florida, um, anything near the coast was just cost prohibitive. And it would just be too much work, too much hustle, too much stress on a, you know, $5,000, $10,000 a month mortgage. I'm like, nah, that didn't work for me. So now I live in an RV. Well, this is a whole different ballgame. Um, so I live, I, so I moved from Rockport uh, after school down here to, uh, I'm sorry, from Athens, Georgia, Texas, Athens, Texas, down here to Rockport, Texas. Uh, in Rockport, I am literally 10 minutes from the ocean. Um, I live in an RV park. And uh, I set up stakes here and did very minimal marketing, um, set up a Yelp page, Facebook page, uh, got my LLC established for my business, Tech RV, and went ahead and just, you know, started to do small jobs here and there. Did a couple of inspections. I'd get a call, hey, my, my water heater's not working, my refrigerator's not working, I've got a leak under my sink, uh, my... Uh, propane isn't working and so on and so forth. And so I started to do this and I started to get referral business. So the people I worked on were very gracious and told all their friends. Um, I worked on their rigs and they told all their friends. So again, with very minimal marketing, the calls just keep coming in every day. I get phone calls. Hey, I've got this issue. Hey, I've got this problem. Hey, can you fix this for me? Hey, I'm thinking of upgrading to solar and so on and so forth. And uh, again, I haven't, I've yet to spend a dollar on, a Facebook ad. I've yet to spend a dollar on a Google ad. Uh, it's just the business comes in. Well, I decided um, I've been here for three months here in, in Rockport, Texas. Um, life is pretty good. Uh, being, uh, there's a couple things. So being single uh, with just a dog and not fishing 
and not going to bars, uh, unfortunately for me, in my lifestyle, there's nothing else to do here. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, going to the beach is, is wonderful. Uh, you know, I go to the gym a lot uh, and I work as much or as little as I want to. And that's a key point, by the way, about this entire message is that uh, given my minimalistic lifestyle of, of full-time RVing, I don't need to make a lot of money anymore. I've got a whole different view of money at this point in my life. And if I want to or if I need to, I can. I can work more. Uh, if I don't want to, you know, I have the freedom now to be that guy, that service truck guy, if you will. And, you know, I can wake up and do what I want and go to the beach, take my dog out, you know, I'll do one or two jobs for a day. And uh, I'm great. I'll go to the gym, go home, relax, go outside and cook out and my grill and so on. And, uh, you know, the freedom and adventure that I've created for myself is, is second to none. So I decided after this three months, uh, which is ending on November 1st, that I'm going to relocate from Rockport, Texas to Galveston, Texas. I went for a visit a couple weeks ago. I just really enjoyed, uh, it looks like there's far more activities for me to do. Um, I'm much closer to Houston, which is, of course, a big mecca of activities to do there. I want to be less than an hour away. And there's still, you know, hundreds of RV, RV parks for me to uh, market to and get my services up and running again. So I work right now, and I have for the last three months, no more than 15 hours a week. And I am making a decent income. I will tell you that right now. Um, I won't share exactly what the numbers are, of course, but uh, people would be surprised at the amount of money that uh, you can earn in this particular business. Now, if I decided to work 30 or 40 hours a week, I'd have more money than, quite frankly, I would need, you know, know what to do with. So I'd be back to the buying more stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. so, you know, it was an interesting transition in January when uh, my ex and I sold our house, um, all the stuff to accumulate in your life that, oh my gosh, it's just such a heaviness. And, you know, you're selling your beds and your furniture and all this stuff. And it feels so much lighter and much more freedom. I'm not tied down to anything. Um, even now, I mean, I, everything I own is in this RV. I'll take it all with me to Galveston and we'll give it a go there. And, you know, three months later, I may not like it. I can go somewhere else. I think you're onto something (laughs) there, Steve, because so many people get tied to their belongings, that the accumulation of stuff and then what to do with it, they they have to store it. And so they fill up their garages and their attics with more (laughs) stuff that they they own, but they never use, they never look at. Uh, they probably don't even know they have, but they continue to get more stuff. And it just creates an emotional attachment to a particular place or uh, just you have to continue investing money and maintaining the stuff. So when you run out of space in your your garage, you have to go rent a facility down the street so you can store your stuff. And it's just liberating, truly liberating when people downsize to get into an RV and they they make that detachment from a lifetime of accumulated stuff. I found it very freeing myself. Absolutely. You know, and and you're, you're trading that stuff for experiences and for adventures. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that you can have memories of, Um, you know, and I laugh when you, when you say that, because, you know, I, I fondly remember driving up and down the streets of my old house or wherever neighborhood and, uh, the Phoenix area. And, uh, yeah, you look at these, you know, they'll open the garage and 
one, two, three bays in the garage, they're full. Right. To the top, like, like, like a game of Tetris that had lost. I mean, they're, you know, they, uh, <laughs> it's a great like, what do you got all that stuff <laughs> for? What is all that stuff? You don't use that stuff. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So I got to tell you the, you know, I, I see this a lot in the uh, Facebook posts and, uh, and a lot of the different groups I see. Um, one of them is, uh, uh an over fifties group and, you know, people are like, well, we're thinking of going full time, but where do you put all your stuff? So I'll always respond, get rid of it. Right. What do you need all that stuff for? I mean, there's one thing to have, you know, pictures and memories and things like that. But uh, what do you need that dresser for? You don't. What do you need that bed for? You got one in the RV. You mm-hmm. know, People just love to cling. Like you mentioned, they cling to their stuff. And, uh, you know, but again, getting back to my original uh, occupation, you know, the, the nine to five job, the picket fence, the dog and the two kids and the wife. And, and that's what you did. You, you kept up with the Joneses. And the more I made and more money I made in IT, uh, the more I kept up with the Joneses, you know, it was bigger, faster, better cars, the, the Cadillac Escalade or the Mustang convertible instead of just the, you know, the regular car, you know, I was definitely not the utilitarian guy. Uh, bigger, better houses. Let's get one with the pool. Let's get one with the bigger pool. Um, so yeah, it's funny too because uh, uh, the house that we sold back in January, uh, you'd walk into it and you'd be flabbergasted. Our, we had a, we were very blessed that we bought this house. Got very lucky with it. It had a phenomenal pool, but I also had put in a 20 foot rock climbing wall in the front room. Wow. So uh, it was a testament to our, you know, our adventure and our you know, wanting this to, uh, be out there in nature and be out in the world and explore. And, and, you know, so it was fun though, but, um, but you were absolutely right. Yeah. You got to just get to get out of that mindset. You don't need stuff. Mm-hmm. You need your memories. Cause somebody put it well the other day. I've never seen a hearse with a moving van behind it. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I know we've like ta- I've talked to a lot of people who are looking at RVs and want to get into that travel lifestyle because they've always dreamed of, of traveling. And what you've done is you've developed some skills that you could probably employ anywhere you wanted to. I mean, I've heard from other technicians that it's as simple as putting a sign up at a campground that they're staying at, that I'm a certified RV technician and people come to you just walking by and say, Hey, I need a, something fixed on my RV. So you're good with technology and with tools and you have this mentality that you can like research what a problem is and go in there and fix it. You really don't have to work a lot of hours to maintain a decent lifestyle. You're right. Absolutely. And, and you bring up uh, a couple of really good points too. Um, one is that anyone can do what I'm doing now. Um, and there's a huge need. And I, I would encourage people to go out and, and become an RV technician or an RV inspector or both like I did. Um, there's somewhere in the ratio of one RV technician to the last I looked, which was months ago, one RV technician to every 15,000 RVs, Right. which is just way out of proportion because bare minimum, one RV technician to maybe three or 400 RVs. And, you know, as you know, uh, unfortunately, and it is what it is, every single RV has an issue. Every one of them. There's not one out there that doesn't, unless you're into the, you know, two, three million dollar Prevos with, you know, the custom builds and so on. But even them, you know, the water heater can go out. 
I don't care if it's a Dometic small six gallon one or if it's the giant hydronic aqua hut in that Prevo, that thing can go out mm-hmm. and the owner's not going to fix it. I know when and I was, they probably shouldn't be anyway. So when, uh, when I was a full-time you know, RVer, I maintained a list of problems that was with my RV because you never knew when you were going to be able to get them fixed because you know, there is a, always a, a wait list to get into an RV dealership for a service appointment. And so what you did is you just maintained that list. And when you did get into a position where you could get some help, you just went down the list and said, okay, this is really critical. Fix that. And this will wait, this will wait, this will wait, fix that. And so you're always maintaining a list of things that need to be done to an RV. Absolutely. And and you bring up another good point too, is that uh, the sales funnel from the build of an RV all the way through to the customer receiving it um, is exorbitantly out of proportion. Uh, they are making these things as quickly as possible, which of course, you know, these are all hand built. That's another good point. Let me bring that up real quick. So <clears throat> people buy a Toyota and they expect that thing to work perfectly and not break for five or 10 years. And there's a good chance that's going to happen. Why? Because there's, multi multi million dollar deca millions worth of robotic equipment and engineering put into that thing rvs are built by hand every part of the thing is built by hand it goes from one station to another there's a guy there or a woman there stapling screwing whatever it is they are attaching things to other things to build that rv so you do that now and you increase the amount of need by just leaps and bounds and you're bound to have some problems you're bound to have issues we do inspections on me and my peers we do inspections on brand new rvs and i'm talking even the higher echelon ones the van lee beacons that are the 150 dollars luxes uh these things are you know brand new and they're the top of the line that you can buy the drvs and we still find issues the roof wasn't put on correctly the propane wasn't even hooked up or this or that or the other thing. So, you know, that, that's a huge, huge thing out there. And also you mentioned too, I can do this from anywhere. And it's funny because I was just talking to somebody who was getting interested in going down the same path as I, and they were asking, of course, all the exciting novelty questions, you know, well, what do you do? How do you market? Do you, you know, you, are you afraid to go to, you know, move from Brockport now that you have business. And that one really triggered me and said, absolutely not. I mean, first of all, I live a life of optimism and positivity. Anyway, nothing can defeat me, and I fear absolutely nothing. But secondly, I'm in a no-brainer situation here. Just like you said, I will show up at the RV park that I'm going to plant myself at, and who knows, I might be there forever. We don't know. Well, there's 85 sites in there. What does that mean? That means I have 84 customers. Absolutely. (laughs) I go to the front desk and put out some cars. I go and start to shake some hands, and it won't take but probably a week or two for me to work on some of these RVs in my own park. And then they'll tell everybody else in the park and it'll get around. I'll start getting referrals. All I have to do is go to a few more parks, drop some cards off, make some smiles and handshakes. And I'll be up and running with more than enough business to do as much as I want to do or as do as little as I want to do. Mm-hmm. Did this require any special licensing? The only, uh, so in, in Texas, um, the only thing that uh, you are required to get a certificate for uh, technically is propane. So I, I, I went up to uh, 
it's actually ironically and, and weird. The Railroad Commission of Texas is what, uh, for whatever reason, regulates the propane industry. So in order for me to legally work on any type of propane system in an RV, I had to be certified. So I went up there, I got my management level certification, uh, and now I'm covered. And if you think about it, on an RV, there's a lot of propane stuff. Not only do you have an oven and a stovetop, uh, but your water heater can run on propane, your refrigerator can run on propane, of course, your furnace runs on propane. So there's a lot of propane and, uh, you know, potential for, uh, you know, catastrophic areas if you're not certified and don't know what you're doing. Outside of that, uh, there's really no license. Um, my certifications are kind of more, uh, you know, just just showing the public, hey, I am, I'm certified to do this. I've passed requirements. I went to 400 hours of training in order to do this. And, uh, uh, you know, so I'm, I know what I'm doing. You know, when I when you hire me, you're going to get it done, and it's going to get done correctly. And uh, uh, so, it really, is not a licensing per se. Um, you know, other things is you know just liability insurance. Uh, you know, I would highly suggest somebody start an LLC so that you have uh, you know the business is a separate entity from your personal uh, life and so on. But uh, um, yeah, there's no no licensing requirements except okay. for the propane here in Texas. Yeah. What did it cost you to get all the training and get set up to run a business like this? That's a great question. So again, I was I was very fortunate. Uh, we did make a substantial amount of uh, money on the sale of our house that we owned. Um, so I was lucky in that respect. You know, I, I understand that not all people have the luxury of being able to go, you know, straight for, you know, nine whole weeks of training at, at once. <clears throat> and of course, you know, there's the trip out there, there's the stay at the park, and so on. Um, all in all, um, and keep in mind, I, I took literally every class they had, including the separate solar class, the separate generator class that you do not have to take. But, uh, you know, so it was five weeks to get my uh, certification in, as an RV technician, uh, two more weeks for each for uh, one week for solar, one week for generator. It was two weeks for the inspector course. Um, what's that? Five, six, seven, eight. Um, and that was about it. I guess it was eight weeks of class. But uh, uh, but I was out there for three full months at the park. So there's that fee as well. So, I mean, all in all, I, since I'm an inspector and a technician, uh, I ended up paying about $14,000, I think, okay. um, for the schooling itself, um, which, you know, compare that to any, starting up any other business. The semester. Any the other school, branch. Right, yes. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 it's a very low investment, I think. I mean, compared to anything else that you could start a business with. Um, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, yeah, I've probably spent... I don't know, upwards of $1,500 on, on tools. Um, you know, you do want to get good tools. And uh, this, this is your basic stuff that you probably already have if you're any kind of handyman, uh, you know, wrenches, hammers, screwdrivers, and so on. But, you know, there's like uh, you want to get a good multimeter to test electric and so on. And uh, So, you know, all in all, there's some specialty tools and whatnot. But uh, that will just make your life easier, really. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's probably the only investment. Um, you know, marketing is whatever you want. I mean, if you want to wrap your whole – vehicle and a big sign and uh you know there's some money there i haven't done that yet and again that's the ironic thing i don't even have signage on my truck and i still get called all the time <laughs> would you have done this earlier uh, you might I mean many years earlier if you could have oh uh, you know that's interesting so i was thinking about that the other day in fact um you know what the question is was this opportunity there uh, you know five years ago yeah probably 10 years ago maybe not quite as much uh 15 20 years ago i don't think so 
um, you know, the amount of brands out there, the amount of units out there, um, you know, the, the full lifetime uh, or full timer thing, uh, you know, it's been around for a while, but, but definitely just, you know, small groups. Um, last time I read, there was well over 2 million full-time families in America. Um, so I think the, I think the opportunity has come and it's the perfect time to jump into this. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm always grateful for where I am and for the opportunities and the paths that are laid in front of me. So, uh, I'm not sure, you know, maybe, maybe five years ago, uh, maybe not 10 years ago. And I don't think it was there 10 years ago and who knows what's, what's going to happen in 10 years. That's right. You know, I was reading an article. I was reading an article this morning on, uh, uh, France has a new hydrogen-based uh, van that they're coming out with. It's a done deal. And it has these charging stations, apparently, that uh, <clears throat> somehow get the right hydrogen uh, back into the tanks. Um, the thing has, you know, like a four or 500-mile range. It takes five minutes to fill it up. Um, so, you know, it's obviously a huge shift. But, boy, talk about clean energy. Mm-hmm. Zero emissions. Has, and, uh, you know, has this opportunity created any challenges for you? Um. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's uh, there, you know, what do you think about that? Challenges, boy, um, to keep my excitement down so I don't look like a silly fool, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm so passionate about it. You know, I tell everybody about what I do. Everywhere I go, I'm in the gym, I'm in the market. Um, you know, and I, <laughs> again, talk about marketing. I have one hat that says Tech RV, the name of my company on it. And uh, I walked into Walmart one day. Within 30 seconds, a guy came up to me and says, Tech RV, what's that? I'm like, well, I'm an RV technician. He's like, hey, I need you to install an air conditioner for me. I mean, it's literally just, it's like it just falls at your feet. You know, money just <laughs> flows from heaven in this, in this occupation. It's incredible. And like, I, that was just a, like five letters in a cap. Imagine if I had a shirt on that actually had my logo on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't uh, oh boy. I'll tell you what, here's a challenge for you. All right. And, and at 58, I'm in peak condition. Um, I was a former bodybuilder. I still live that lifestyle. I eat healthy. I take the right vitamins, I sleep well, I hydrate. You know, I, I live an extremely healthy lifestyle um, and, and I'm pretty physically fit. Even still, boy, I got to tell you, it's like a core workout sometimes when you're working on these RVs. You're down on the floor, bent at an angle, trying to reach a thing and tighten it and so on. And Boy, you better have some good core strength to uh, to be in this occupation. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I don't see any challenges whatsoever, except, all right, here's one. Um, it's tough in the summer months and the warmer climates. Um, again, you, you know as well as I do, Phoenix, um, you know, and I didn't do this job in Phoenix, but Phoenix is, you know, 120 in the summer. Uh, that's oppressively hot, but uh, you're not sweating. You know, it is truly a dry heat. Down here in Texas, Oh boy. Yeah. It's 88 degrees out with 88% humidity. So, you know, expect to have a, a, a few different change of clothes shirts in your vehicle. Uh, Cause every job you were going to literally walk out of there with your shirt and, and, you know, just drenched with sweat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So that's probably the only challenge, you know, getting past the humidity in the, in the summer months. How would you define retirement? Oh boy. That's a tricky one. Um, you know, I'm a nonconformist and, uh, boy, I don't, I do not follow the trend. So I'm probably never going to retire. I can never see myself getting to a point where, I mean, I look at it this way, given the amount of work I do, I'm pretty much semi-retired right now. You know, if I can work 15 hours a week, 10 hours a week, uh, afford my lifestyle, have more than enough money I need to do and get to play the rest of the week. then to me, I'll just keep doing that until I can't. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Very good. Uh, so what advice would you give to people over the age of 50 to help them either identify or pursue their passions? Absolutely. Um, you only live once. You, you get one life in this human body, and that's it. And we, none of us know when that life's going to stop. You could live to 100. You could live to 70. Who knows? So I'd rather go through life and try as I have. <laughs> you know, now I'm on my fourth reinvention of my life. Mm-hmm. Boy, if I hadn't tried these things, I would have so much regret that I didn't try them. So what? So 50 is a number. 60 is a number. 70 is a number. It's just a number. If you have the passion to do something, whatever it is, do it. You know, any any hobby can be turned into a, uh, an occupation. Don't sweat the small stuff. I mean, you can spend, you know, you can uh, go into analysis paralysis. I love yes. that term. Mm-hmm. You just, oh, my gosh, you just look forever and you're, well, I can't do it here. I can't do it there. You know, be an optimist. Be positive and only think the positive thought. Um, I highly suggest everyone read the book, The Secret. Oh, my gosh. If you don't believe in the law of attraction, and it doesn't negate any faith out there. This isn't a religious thing. But uh, believe and receive. And I do. I mean, I picture myself successful all the time. I picture myself, you know, in the right situations, in the right times. And I live a happy life. I wake up grateful with a smile on my face. I don't care if you're 50, 55, 60, or whatever age you are, you need to pursue what makes you happy. And that's what makes, that was what makes the memories. That's Whatever great. makes you happy. Very good. If people wanted to talk to you about this opportunity and what you're doing for a living, would you be open to discussing it with them? I would be more than happy to. And I, in fact, I do that pretty much every day. So it is. People come to me all the time and, uh, and ask me, so how'd you do it? Or what do you do? Or do you like it? Or do you see any challenges? You know, the same questions you've asked me, I get asked constantly. So I would be more than happy to share my share my wealth of information of the research I've done Okay, and, uh, and help people out. And where could people contact you? They can either get me, get a hold of me at uh, my uh, email, which is uh, info at techrv, that's T-E-K-R-V dot com. Uh, or you can find me on uh, Facebook at the same techrv. Um, uh, and that's probably the best way. You know, just send me an email through info at techrv dot com. And they can reach me there. If they go to my website, there's a contact me page on there. They can kind of see some of the stuff I've done, what I do. And uh, that's probably a good start for them as well. So www.tekrv.com, techrv.com. Super. Thank you very much, Steve. I really appreciate it. It sounds like you stumbled upon an opportunity uh, just out of your passion for RVing that opened up some doors for you to get some additional training to start a business to help other people. And it's providing a lot of purpose for you and satisfaction. Absolutely. Very well put and very good summary of of exactly how I feel. I appreciate Steve Hurwitz for sharing his life-changing story with us today. After researching the idea of becoming a certified RV inspector and technician, Steve looked at various markets. He discovered there was so much opportunity inspecting and fixing RVs that someone would have to try to fail, he said. He decided to set up his business in Galveston, Texas. I know it requires a lot of skill to fix and inspect RVs, but Steve also knows there are more than 12 million RV-owning households in America, including more than 2 million people who travel and work in RVs full-time. 
The industry has built nearly 600,000 new units annually for the past few years. However, there has been a woefully inadequate shortage of trained technicians and inspectors for decades. Demand for their services is so high that Steve said anyone who can provide good customer service and actually fix problems for people will make a very good living. Because there is only one technician for every 15,000 RVs on the road, I personally know many mobile RV service technicians who make upward of $100,000 annually. Every single RV has an issue, even the expensive $2 million Prevost motorhomes. Eventually, the water heater is going to break, and Steve explained the owner isn't going to fix it himself. Having lived in an RV myself for three years, I know Steve is spot on. Most RV owners keep a running list of problems that need attention. If they are ever fortunate enough to get a service appointment without having to wait weeks or months. Steve paid less than $20,000 to get his training, buy tools, and start his limited liability corporation. The $100 or so he spent on business cards was the only advertising cost Steve incurred other than a cap with his company's name embroidered on it. By working just 10 to 15 hours a week, he already has more than enough money to support himself and have plenty of time to play the rest of the week. Steve also encourages people to try whatever they've dreamed of doing because he knows he'd have a lot of regret if he didn't try something he's always wanted to do. When you think about it, 50, 60, and 70 are just numbers and you're truly only as old as you feel, Steve explained. If you have the passion to do something, then do it, he added, noting that any hobby can be turned into an occupation. To connect with Steve, visit www.com. T-E-K-R-V.com. That's all I have for this week's show. If you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or get help planning your next steps, I'm offering a complimentary brainstorming session to members of the Forward from 50 Facebook community. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. Next week, I'll be interviewing a woman who is called back into parenting duty around the time other people her age were enjoying their roles as grandparents. She gained custody of two grandchildren after their parents were both battling debilitating addictions. The experience encouraged her to start a support group to help other women in similar situations. I'll have that interview on the next episode of the Passionate Purpose Podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you like this show, please consider leaving a review wherever you downloaded the episode.